This is Dan Wharton Uncancelled. Let's go. A first look at tomorrow's front page is coming up. But now Jim Davidson is tonight's outsider. And it's happened again. Disney is suffering from a terrible bout of go woke, go broke after the release of their highly anticipated Lightyear movie. So this is the Toy Story spinoff and was expected to be one of the biggest hits of the summer, but it failed to take off, grossing just £41 million on its opening weekend, below projections of near £60 million, and well below Toy Story 4, which took £100 million in 2019. Lightyear also suffered a huge 65% drop in its second weekend, grossing just £17 million. To infinity and beyond? Well, not so much. Much of the pre-release discussion focused not on the film's perceived quality, but one particular scene where two women share a kiss, which saw Lightyear banned in 14 countries before its release on June the 17th. Now, major US newspaper, the New York Post, reckons Lightyear's flop is a sign audiences are now wary, I'd argue sick to the teeth, of Hollywood wokeness. Do you remember, I, t- I told you a few weeks ago about Disney chiefs, they're behind Toy Story, by the way, bragging about their ambition to throw, quote, queerness into every scene of a children's movie. Look. Our leadership over there has been so welcoming to, like, my, like, not-at-all-secret-gay agenda. Let's have these two characters kiss. Let's, in the background, this, like, I was just, wherever I could, just basically adding queerness to, like, the, if you see anything queer in the show. So, Jim, that is the woman <laughs> who is in charge yeah. of kids' programming. Yes, yeah. At Disney. Yes. And she wants queerness and yeah. all of the... I mean, I just don't really yeah, why? think the public... Yeah, why? The yeah, public why? aren't on board with this. Maybe they've got enough money and they just want to prove that if you do go woke, you go broke. But and that's what's know, happening, right? Well, all these people that they're bringing in to add queerness, which is, I don't like that word at all, actually... But uh, and now even CGI characters, computer generated characters are ticking boxes. They must be sitting there in their computer saying, hang on, you don't just want me because I'm ticking a box here. It's crazy. I I think the world's gone mental. I just don't really understand why kids movies need to have lesbian kisses. Well, they might not be lesbians. They might be just, you know, characters that have had a bit too much Prosecco. You never know. In your fantasy world. In my fantasy world, yes. Well, it is. It is. I I don't know what people are aiming for. There's someone sitting at a desk saying, I know what we'll do. And they must sit there looking at all the non-woke things that are going at the moment. Tom Cruise, I mean, he's gone through the clouds, I mean, figuratively and literally through the clouds. The Rolling Stones are top of the bill everywhere. Paul McCartney, uh, the Eagles, Kate Bush is number one. All these things that are not woke and are just just things. They're not making any statements. They're just there to entertain us. I, I think because that's that, the point, isn't it? Entertainment is meant yeah. to be escapism. And I think it's a really good point that you mentioned Top Gun too, because mm. it's been a massive hit. It is like the least woke movie out. It's old school, right? <laughs> it is, and little Tommy Cruise is up there, 150 years of age in his fighter, and, and people are saying, oh, this is a bit too masculine. You know, this is not right. They, they'll pick something to say it's you. not right. Yeah, they'll, yeah, watch, they'll, they'll watch so they can complain. They set out to be upset. That, that's what it is. But there's a disconnect, isn't there, between Disney bosses mm. who live in a Hollywood bubble... Yeah. And yeah. ordinary folk who, who want to go to the movies. And, and I think there is going to have to be a rebalancing because if you look at Netflix, yeah. they realised 
They went woke. Mm. They did all these ridiculous TV shows that don't connect with yeah, what yeah, you really yeah. want to watch yeah, at all. Yeah. And now and they're they're suffering. losing millions of subscribers. So they've had to reverse course. And eventually, right, Disney is going to be accountable not to the woke topians like that woman yeah. running the company, but yeah. to its shareholders. I know, I know. It is, it is crazy. I don't know what these people have an agenda. And, and they're so, they have this agenda to say... She actually said it. Yeah, she did. Gay agenda, she did. She yeah. said it. I must be right. And if you don't agree with me, go and work for someone else. Or don't watch our movies. Well, people are voting with their feet. They want little Tommy Cruz and Kate Bush. That's what we want. We want to see Brian Wilson at Glastonbury. Mm. That's, that's what we do. I mean, the thing is, I think diversity is all well and good, but it has to be natural. And yeah. It doesn't need to be inserted into every <laughs> single scene. I know, it's becoming a joke now. And there's a pushback now as well, isn't there? People are pushing back. You know, this cancellation culture that's going on. People are starting to push back. And to be honest, Dan, I think people are getting fed up with it. People, you know, people want to have a laugh. They want to laugh like they used to do without looking over their shoulder. You know, I saw Benny Hill the other night. It was really funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sir. You want something under the counter? Benny Hill, how about that? Say no more. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah, have three of them and I'll give you a Jim Davidson one thrown in. How's that? It's crazy. I, I actually agree with you because what turns me off is the moment when I hear about a new movie. Yeah. And it's, they, and, and it's been promoted as it's a first, you know. So it's the first biracial relationship, the first lesbian kiss, whatever it is. I don't want that to be the selling point no. of a movie. Yeah. It gets dull. I know. And I, I feel like I'm being preached to. Yes, exactly. And the preachers are saying what we want is a normality. We want, you know, the minorities to just be normal. Well, well they're normal anyway. Everything is normal, but to, to force it to be focused and looked upon and... Is, is crazy, and I think it's doing more harm than good. Well, I actually think the focus on it makes it abnormal. Yeah, when you think that's about what I meant. Because, yeah. because you have a much better way well, with well, words you, than you, me. You don't walk around uh, the the world seeing like like seeing as many uh, gay relationships as straight relationships. Just like you don't walk around the world seen as many non-white people in the UK as white people. And that's OK. Yeah, I just yeah. think diversity has to match the diversity of wider society, whereas the entertainment industry wants us to live in an unreal world. I mean, it's an unreal world, Jim, that, by the way, means that now there is even extreme diversity in period dramas. <laughs> yeah, I know. Don't get me on that one. That's crazy. What's that about? It's car neutral casting. That's yeah. what it is. Yes. I can't wait to see a white Nelson Mandela. I'm really looking forward to that. Well, Someone you know, will that have that idea. That won't happen. No. And that's the point, isn't it? It, yeah. it only goes w one way. And I was so depressed, by the way, the other day to read that Tom Hanks said, remember he won an Oscar back in the, I think he won the Oscar. He was certainly nominated for, for playing a gay character in the 90s in that movie Philadelphia, which was... Yeah, 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 yeah. And do you know what? That was one of his best ever roles. And he was brilliant in it. Mm. And the other day he said, oh, no, no, I, I, I couldn't play a gay character. Now, that would be wrong. Would it? It's and crazy. I just was so disappointed by that. Acting yeah. is acting. It is. You are allowed to yeah. play yeah. something you're not. I played a gay character in a movie ages ago, me and John Malkovitz. Did, we did, were in this did, film did, called Colour Me Kubrick about did, some guy who, who, who made out he was Stanley Kubrick. He was an imposter. And did I you have played... a gay snog, Jim? What? Did you have a gay snog? No, I'll I tell you what happened. <laughs> I, I got my makeup was all done. I had fake tan, my teeth were white and ear pierced and the eyebrows done like this. And I thought I looked really good. When I saw myself on the screen, Pat Butcher. <laughs>
Honestly, <laughs> I'm the ugliest camp person you've ever seen in your life. I enjoyed it, though. I, I, I want to see a photo of that. But no, I, I, think, I think it's really worrying now that there mm. is this trend towards saying that even actors mm. have to actually be living in the world. But, Dan, who are these people? Are they 12-year-old producers somewhere who have this agenda? Does yeah. it all start in Hollywood? I think all it political does. correctness and every thing that divides us, I truly believe, started in Hollywood on that coast of America where everyone's nice and, oh, you can't say that. You can't be a comedian, you know. You can't, you can't ad-lib anything. We want to... Do you know, I, did, I produced some shows in the UAE and did some stuff in, in Dubai and they wanted to see all the scripts before you went on. It's, it's getting like that now. Oh, hang on a minute. There's not enough people in here. We want more of these, more of this, more of that, more of that. It doesn't work like well that. Well, now even an actor, a Harry Potter actor, I played the clip on last night's show, mm. cannot be asked about J.K. Rowling. She has been cancelled by Hollywood so much that even the mere mention of the name J.K. Rowling gets you cut in Hollywood, and I think it, it sums it up. So actually, I'm glad this Lightyear movie flopped because I think it sends a message to Disney. Yeah, we've had enough. Go woke, go broke. Just make right. good films to entertain us yeah. and we'll be happy. Jim Davidson. Happy with that. Great to have you here. Thank you so much. Now, my next guest is one of the most famous conservative TV personalities in America for good reason. The fiery and formidable Meghan McCain, daughter of the late and much-loved Republican presidential candidate John McCain, has become a big political figure in her own right. After being hired by Fox News, Meghan became a, a real household name, actually, during her four-year stint on major US TV show The View, where her clashes with fellow panellists, including Whoopi Goldberg, regularly went viral. So here's a look at her incredible career so far. You got a maverick dad who's kind of an amazing cat who was a hero on the battlefield and in D.C. Please welcome our new co-host, Megan McCain. Because it needed a good conservative voice to counter yours. Her dad is one of my best friends. They're like two brothers who were somehow raised by different fathers or something. Well, with all due respect, I, I don't I'm care just, if he's apologizing. He just embarrassed himself. I don't care that you don't care. Just hear what well, I'm saying. I don't saying. care that okay, you don't care. We're going to we'll go. So go. You missed me so much. You missed fighting with me. So I did not. You miss fighting I did with not me. miss you. Okay. I had a sisterhood at Fox that I lost at The View, and I know what women supporting women looks like because I had it when I worked at Fox News, and now I know what the entire opposite experience is. Megan is now a top columnist at DailyMail.com and Mail Online, where I also work, and has become a high-profile critic of Joe Biden, despite being personally close with the U.S. president, as you saw there. She wrote recently... There is nothing going on in the country that shows that America is now a better place to live in than before Biden was elected. If the president's own staff doesn't trust him to walk into a room and say hello, then why should the American people trust him to carry out the responsibilities of his office? And I'm delighted to say that Megan, the author of Bad Republican, joins me now live from Arizona. Megan, so great to Hi. speak to you. You know I'm such a fan of your work and have been for such a long time. And it's fascinating seeing the trajectory there, Megan, of, of you and Joe Biden, <laughs> that the current president, because you were tight. You know, you were never politically aligned with him, but you were tight personally. 
but you've lost faith. Well, first of all, I'm such a fan of yours, and I'm so happy to be here talking to your UK audience. And I've been watching the show so far, and it's fabulous. Like, I really Thank wanted to talk so about much. COVID, but I'm happy <laughs> to talk about uh, President Biden. Yes, um, look, uh, politics and, and personal relationships can be very complicated. And um, I developed a personal relationship with President Biden because his son, Beau, died of the same brain cancer that my dad died of, which is uh, called glioblastoma multiform, and it's a very aggressive form of brain cancer. It's very rare. Um, it was is very strange that his son and my dad had the same cancer. Um, I have great respect for him and his family personally. I think they're very good people. I think they're moral people. Um, politically, things started to fracture, I would say, between me personally. And I would also like to just say my mother is still very close with the president and his family and is an ambassador in the administration and formally endorsed him. I did not. My mother and I are very close and we have political differences, but I didn't feel after he had picked uh, Vice President Harris, I didn't feel any confidence starting then in his judgment politically. And the column that I wrote that you just referenced, um, last week he was uh, he had an event at the White House and photographers caught a note card that had very strange directions. That. that said, yes, you, I, I think everyone saw it. And it said, sit down, talk, stand up, leave. Very, It's very strange. And I think for very seasoned politicians, he's been in politics for over 40 years. Um, it, it was very alarming and alarming to me as well, because you're the president of the United States. It shouldn't be complicated to sit in a room and talk to people in front of you. And there's an anxiety in the country, especially among conservatives, but I would say just in general, about uh, President Biden's age, about um, his his abilities as president. There's a, also a very strange moment at Easter when he was at the White House and uh, the Easter Bunny pulled him aside, a staffer in the Easter Bunny costume. Anytime he leaves and goes out in public, a staffer or a family member pulls him away from the press. These are not, um, you know, signals of confidence for the American people. And um, the the sort of criticism is getting louder and louder. Uh, just today, a reporter from The New York Times named Jonathan Martin, and The New York Times is obviously a very liberal publication, came out questioning whether or not President Biden is going to have the, the physical capacity to run for office in 2024. Well, about time they, they questioned that because there is so much to look at with his cognitive ability. And Let's be honest, if he was a Republican president, that would be being talked about all the time. Um, but Megan, look, I, I, I loved looking back at those clips of you on The View, because I have to say, <laughs> since you've left The View, I don't watch it anymore. I, I used to watch it regularly. And my God, that show was stacked against you. And you came in every day and made this valiant attempt to, to make your Thank points you. versus three or sometimes four other women. In the end, Megan, was that just too tough to do? Did it just take too much of a toll? You know, I did it for a really long time, and I did it through a lot of personal tragedy. I had a miscarriage when I was doing the show, uh, and it was pretty graphic. And I had uh, my dad obviously passed, and I just went through like a lot of personal things. And I had my baby during COVID, and when I came back from maternity leave, the clip you showed, Joy said. I didn't miss you at all. And there was a feeling when I got back from the host that they were happy I was gone and they didn't want me to come back. And, you know, I think a lot of us sort of reassessed our life during COVID. And I was like, I just 
don't want to continue giving what I believed was, you know, a benefit having a strong conservative voice on the show to women who didn't seem to like me or be grateful for what I gave to them. Not that I'm paying any attention, but they were not nominated for any Emmys since the show has left. They are not getting, you know, the same kind of attention they did. Love they have that. yet to replace me. Well, exactly, because it's so strange. dull, because they all agree with each other. And it wasn't the whole point of the show that there's meant to be opposing views and debate. Yeah, well, you have a show, I think, called Loose Women in the UK yes. that is, is like a version of it. Yeah, and I'm told it's quite good. Um, and the point of the show is to have opposing viewpoints. I love debating. I love arguing. I'm, I can be very respectful. I, I, like, I think of it like boxing where you like spar and then you like, you know, push like gloves at the end and you can be friends after. I love arguing. I love debating. But you don't like when things get personal. And unfortunately for me, it was just very personal and it started involving my child and it just it didn't seem worth it to me and i'm actually only one of the show is 25 years old and i'm one of two hosts that ever left on their own instead of was fired in the entire history of the show which i'm also proud of that yeah you want but that. i'm also happy to be working for the daily mail i mean there's such wonderful yeah. people and it's been such a honestly like a breath of fresh air to work in a truly uncensored environment which i haven't had in a really long time and They've never once said I can't write anything or say anything. And I'm really grateful for this outlet, which will publish Hunter Biden's laptop and really go there in a lot of places that American publications won't. And I also like I was at the nail salon a few weeks ago and my nail technician was like, I love the Daily Mail. It's my favorite. And it's it's a outlet that Americans consume. I think it's like 100 million uniques a month. It's something insane. And Americans really read it and it really sets this uh, tone in the zeitgeist. So I'm thrilled to be writing there. I'm thrilled to be writing there with you. I'm a little sad Piers Morgan's still gone, but it's been such a, a pleasure to work there, especially yeah, post-view. And, and it's actually a great British success story, as, as you talk about, because it has made all of these waves now in the US. Um, Megan, just, just finally, obviously, your dad, I guess, was the great president that the US never had. Uh, have you considered following him into politics yourself? Would you ever run for office? So there's a big disdain for political families in the country right now. The people think of, uh, you know, it's very populist and uh, President Bush's nephew, I believe, just ran for office and lost um, in Texas in his home state. And there's a real like palette for it where people really don't like it. Um, my home state of Arizona has a very, very crazy gubernatorial election right now. And one of the people running is a very like, it's crazy. It's like crazy. There's like, it's so good queens to watch involved, though. like, it's so good. I know. And like, please Google it if you haven't seen and the drag queens are involved and it's just like messy <laughs> and dramatic. But um, maybe in a few years, I've, this is the first time in my entire life I've ever considered it. But this fever of MAGA has to break one way or the other. President Trump has to get reelected, God forbid, again, or he has to just leave the national stage because as we have seen in the last election and in the primaries right now, he can't make candidates, but he can break them. And right now, you know, there's still just a lot of people who are winning that are following in his footsteps. And I would really love more ideological diversity in the party. Megan McCain, I love you. Please come back soon. That Thank is Megan. I'll come back anytime. Thank you. And I really, I had to cancel the last time I was coming on. I felt terrible. And I'm so happy to be talking to you. And I'm seriously such a fan of your work. I know I'm like gushing, but I have found such interesting voices in the UK. Like America is, you know, I'm so American. I ride so hard. It's almost the 4th of July. But <laughs> UK writers and TV hosts really have an edge in uncensored capacity that we really could follow 
in a way right now, which I just find you're like one of the leading voices and it's so fantastic to watch and read. Well, it is so brilliant to have you here. And I'm going to show your book because it's very good. Uh, Thank you. Bad Thank Republican, you. and you can get it on audiobook and, of course, Megan's columns at dailymail.com. Thank you so much, Megan. We'll speak soon. Uh, it's time now for Uncancelled. This is where Britain's top commentators speak out on controversial issues without the fear of the cancel culture sweeping the rest of the media. Now, I've always said Skimming Sturgeon is a treacherous egotist who doesn't give a toss about struggling Scots, and today she proved the point. The failing First Minister announced she will pander to her craven SNP base and attempt to hold another divisive and costly independence vote on the 19th of October next year. Downing Street has so far stood firm and refused to issue a Section 30 order, which would give Holyrood the powers to organise and hold another referendum. But Sturgeon has bullishly vowed to press on anyway. Scottish Conservative leader Douglas Ross is one of the only political voices standing up to the SNP and calling out Sturgeon's pathetic vanity project for what it is, illegal. It does transpire that there is no lawful way for this parliament to give the people of Scotland the choice of independence in a referendum. And if the UK government continues to deny a Section 30 order, my party will fight the UK general election on this single question. Should Scotland be an independent country. Nicola Sturgeon has shown again today that the SNP's selfish obsession with another divisive referendum is always their top priority. She will use government time and resources to further her plan to break up the country just when we need to be pulling together and working as one. But what does Sturgeon's pledge mean for UK politics? Well, the Daily Telegraph's associate politics editor, author of the must-read Chopper's Politics newsletter, Christopher Hope, joins me now. Christopher, wow. wow. I mean, Sturgeon's basically saying if she doesn't get her way, she's going to make this her single-issue campaign at the next election. But she can't get her way, can she? I mean, this would be an illegal referendum. Surely the Supreme Court can't allow it to take place. Well, Dan, look, it's great to be on your show for the first time. It's so exciting to have for me. you. I can't be there in the studio. She knows that. The SNP, the Scottish National Party, its entire point um, of existing is to take itself out of the UK. That's the point. That's the SNP's point. So you've got to view all of their policies, all of their activity through that very narrow prism. The truth is she knows she won't win because Boris Johnson will not give her this Section 30 under the Scotland Act, 1998. That's what David Cameron did do in 2014. Boris Johnson won't do. He said um, that the SNP should stand by their, their, their pledge that it was a once-in-a-generation result back in 2014. I've been looking at what a generation is on the internet for your, for your viewers. Apparently, it's the average period is generally considered to be about 20 or 30 years during which children are born and grow up. Now, by my calculation, the last referendum was about eight years ago. That's, that's barely time to get into your, well, to, to leave school. I mean, you, you're going towards secondary school, no one had grown up children. So it, it, Boris Johnson is seeing it for what it is. This idea of going to the Supreme Court, there's no way that judges will look at Section 30 and do anything other than what Alistair Jack will do, the Scottish Secretary. He can't sign this legislation. What's going on here, Dan? Boil it all down. It's late at night. It's a, that's enough lawyers, Ed. 
what's happening here is simply that she has to keep her base excited yeah. about the prospect of leaving. That's it. It ain't going to happen. Yeah, it's about the SNP base, uh, indeed. It was fascinating today, though, Christopher, because we did get some detail. I, I know it's fantasy. It's a delusional fantasy. We've got some detail about when she wants the referendum to be. And also the fact that she wants the same question from the 2014 referendum, you know, should Scotland be an independent country? Well, Christopher, I'm not happy with that question, by the way, because to me it doesn't actually represent what leaving would mean. I think the question, if there ever is a referendum, should be, should Scotland leave the United Kingdom? That's right. And some would say, should we get a vote as well, by the way? Down of course in England, we should. Of course we should. That. Let's park that idea. <laughs> but you're, 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 you're totally right. I mean, I mean, uh, I think, you know, she wants that question. I mean, she then gets the yes answer, you know, not the no. It's the yes. It's the positive answer. Um, but, but what is the future? for? I mean, uh, you know, we argue in our paper tomorrow. Uh, Philip Johnson, my colleague, argues in the Telegraph tomorrow, really worth reading. He says, look, surely, why not just take on uh, Nicola Sturgeon at her own game? Because what is the long-term future for Scotland? They want to rejoin the European Union and then create a border along the line broadly of Hadrian's Wall, um, despite 60% of their trade being south of the border in England. I mean, forget the row about Northern Ireland. That is serious and not to be, not to be sniffed at for people who live there. And imagine the, the upheaval on mainland Britain, far worse, far more uh, difficult for companies in Scotland. They, they will not be happy. Um, that's the long-term plan to rejoin the EU. Would Spain allow it? They've said no repeatedly to the Catalans. Of course they wouldn't allow it. I think it's, it's cloud cuckoo land, but this is what the SNP, they now, they're, they're stuck in this spiral, have, having to promise their own base, their own core supporters, that, they, that that is the ultimate goal, despite the fact that polls show people are less keen on it nowadays. Could argue, Christopher, this is all a show because she actually doesn't want a referendum because she would almost certainly lose it, right? I mean, if you look at recent polling, I know things can change and I know it got closer during the campaign last time, but there's no sign, is there? There's, there's no sense looking at what's going on in Scotland that they would vote to leave. That's right. The, the, the polls show that actually it, it's, it's widening. People are less keen on on leaving. I mean, certainly, I think what's happening, if I can if I can put myself in Nicola Sturgeon's shoes, she's probably trying to maximise the, the discomfort about Boris Johnson as leader. Yeah. I mean, I thought um, Douglas Ross did very well then in the Scottish Parliament. And, and it's not often you say that about Douglas Ross in recent weeks. The way he's <laughs> no, mate, he was good today. Leader, he was good today. He was good today and he made good points. And he is good on the issue, the, the key issue of those in Scotland, which has set them because, I mean, you know, Douglas Ross would rather not talk about independence, rather talk about, you know, getting, getting Scottish companies to, to make, make the best of being in the UK. That's his position. Instead, he's brought back onto this, this narrow point, which the SNP want to argue about. Uh, but, I, I, yeah, I think that, that it's, a big, it's a big worry. I think that um, the SNP, uh, the union is strong um, and the SNP should be fought on it. And I think they would probably lose, as you say. But uh, that's quite a big risk. Yeah. As I said, I think, and it's I think not a risk we want to take because, as you say, once in a yeah. generation, 30 or 40 years, certainly not nine, Sturgeon. Christopher Hope, Daily Telegraph, uh, star political writer and podcaster. Great to have you. Please come back soon. Dan Wooden here again. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of my podcast, Uncancelled. Did you like what you hear? Well, remember to subscribe, rate and review and join me for more newsmaking interviews, fiery debate and free speech on Dan Wooden tonight every Monday to Thursday. 
from 9pm till 11pm on GB News.